1: well well grand rising everybody welcome to the day with trey i'm your host trey holiday and I am so excited to be back in the Black Media Matters studios with my Converge Media family. Y'all know I've been gone for a while, but it has been an amazing experience to watch how the team comes together to bring y'all inspiration right here on the Day with Trey Every Day. Huge shout out to Deontay Damper for stepping in many of those days. And of course, all of the Converge team, Omari, Besa. you guys have no idea how they were making it happen behind the scenes. So just thank you to everybody. Huge shout out to my directors over here in the building, DQ and Cuddy. of course, appreciate all of the effort and work that they brought to make sure that this show continued. As they say, the show must go on. But I got to tell y'all, I greatly missed y'all. I missed the audience. I missed being here and being able to speak to inspiring folks every day. So y'all know I'm happy to be back and to get back into it. And of course, it's Wednesday. So we got Brian Callinan in the building. You know, he and I are going to be talking about all things going on tonight on Seattle News, Views, and Brews. And I had the pleasure of, look, I just got back, but I had the pleasure last night, my first night back, to check out To Kill a Mockingbird at Paramount Theater. And so I'm so excited that Jacqueline Williams, who plays Calpurnia, is going to be joining us. Later on in the show. But of course, y'all know this, it's the top of the show. So it's a great time for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead, tag and share this stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on the day with Trey. Uh, If you can't watch us, we got you covered. You can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network in the day with Trey. You'll find me on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, you name it. You guys will find me on whatever platform you prefer, which is great because there's over 200 plus platforms. And I'm sure if you find us, you'll find us there. Search for us. You will You will find me. So I'm, I'm excited that we're there. And shout out to our team who we'll make sure those recordings show up on all those 200 plus platforms. Got to give a huge shout out to Keith Ackner. Appreciate appreciate you so much Keith and all the work you do behind the scenes. Well you guys, uh, I, you guys know it's been a while since I've been able to tap in with Brian. So, of course, right now we have the up next right here for Brian Callanan. He's going to be sharing with us all things going down tonight on Seattle News, Views and Bruce DQ is looking for it over there. You don't got you don't have it. OK, that's all right. Here he is. He's on this on the couch and in the set with me. What's up, Brian?
0: I'm glad to be here, Trey. Glad you are back. Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm glad you're feeling good. I just did the uh, COVID flu shot, double shot uh, yesterday, and I'm feeling pretty good. I know that hasn't been the case for everybody, but I'm feeling good and uh, ready to rock here today.
1: Uh, There we go. There we have it. Glad that you are here. Glad that you are well, my friend. Uh, Of course, this week, some new things going down. Tell us about some of the topics that are going to be popping off tonight on Seattle News, Views and Brews.
0: We're talking a lot about the budget. We've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks, but really the city council getting into this in earnest this week because their first public hearing actually happened yesterday. So a lot of people testifying there. Of course, there's a lot of concern about how the jumpstart payroll tax is being used. There's a lot of concern about the police budget, what that's going to look like going forward. There's a lot of concern too about human services dollars, how they're going to be spent. We've covered that over the past couple of weeks on the show, but we've focused on a few different pieces with this uh, program this week. One of them, and it's a small amount here, about a million dollars that Mayor Harrell really wanted to have. He put it in his budget proposal here, for this technology called spot uh, shot spotter. So this is something that uses acoustic technology, basically an audio recording, to figure out where a shot might have been fired. And this is something that allows police to potentially track where shots have been fired, make an arrest, et cetera. The big issue is, though, that a lot of the research that has gone into us, into this doesn't indicate that this is a system that delivers a lot of accurate reports. There's some been concern about that. There's also some concern from the ACLU that says, okay, this is basically an acoustic surveillance surveillance system, so how are we gonna be careful about that? This is something that uh, Mayor Harrell, when he was a council member, he's been talking about this for more than 10 years here. So we're seeing what's happening with that, but it's a very interesting back and forth. I think setting aside as a pilot will be very interesting, but there's a history of this with the Seattle city council council members that he served with during his terms there that I'm not quite sure how that one's going to go through, but I think it's a very interesting twist to this budget. And I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Cause we've talked a lot about shots fired and gun violence on this show before. And, and any thoughts on that one, Trey?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I think for me, it, what you said and what I'm really picking up Is the history right Mm -hmm. for something to be mentioned over 10 years ago and to now come up when, you know, Mayor Harold is now mayor and maybe has more power to make this happen. It's really interesting to me because I always go into well, what's behind the cloak. And that's just for not just for the mayor, but for anyone, because honestly, there's a lot of relationships that happen when you're talking about, you know, new age technologies. What has that relationship been doing in the last 10 years to make it still be that this is an issue that's coming up now? So for me, I kind of go a a lot behind the veil, right? We're seeing it kind of in the forefront. Maybe this could be helpful for police, but also... I think it's not a smart idea when you have such a kind of tumultuous situation already in terms of relationships with police and the community that we, you know, reach out to maybe some new age technology. It would it would need to be more solid, I think, in order for community members to feel like it was going to be beneficial. Um, Also, because there is this um, thin line of trust or no trust at all. Um, In terms of police and community, Mm -hmm. that's something that really needs to be built in a genuine way. And so to bring in a new age technology that then we don't know how else is going to be utilized. That right there is a major concern for me as a community member. And I think it would be for others.
0: Yeah, we'll see what what there are. There is another side to this. Of course, the company that promotes this says that it has had a lot of success with it. There's some other pieces to this as well. So I'm very interested in looking at that. There's another interaction, though, between the mayor and the city council that's going to be very interesting over the next couple of weeks to see how this tracks out. Because, as you may have heard, the mayor just said, all right, the state of emergency that we have in Seattle in terms of dealing with COVID, we're going to end it on the same day that Governor Jay Inslee says we're going to end it for the state of Washington, which is the 31st of this month. So Halloween. So very interesting in looking at that because what the city council is doing right now, not only the budget, but they're looking at some of these different things, some of the different measures that they passed really during the height of the COVID pandemic and saying, all right, should we try to continue these on into the next year and the years beyond? Specifically, they're looking at something with the design review process, which is something the city goes through to make sure that buildings are able to be built and look right and have the right amount of doors, windows, et cetera, access for disabled people, things of this nature. But in looking at this, the council tried to figure out a streamlined way for some of these projects to go through, especially affordable housing during the pandemic. So they're trying to figure out ways to actually continue that into the new year, potentially, because the way the emergency clause works for these different uh, uh, measures that they passed, basically, the council has 60 days after the 31st of So going to the end of the year, it has till the end of the year to try to make these changes permanent going forward, because the idea would be, okay, we don't want to have something where we've got this way of doing business, it stops at the beginning, at the end of the year, and then starts up in a different way. So they're trying to make that seamless. But that involves a lot of different work. And I guess what I'm coming around to there is this whole idea of the pandemic. It's had long lasting effects. The council has tried to do some different things. Street cafes is another example there, where they're trying to continue these things in the future. It's going to be a lot of work during this budget process. And right after the budget process, you're going to see a flurry of activity in December around this kind of thing. And I just wanted to give people a heads up about it because there's a lot of important uh, measures that the council is working on right now that they're trying to bring into the new year potentially.
1: Well, this is something that I think all of us have really felt the effects of whether we know it or not, oh, yeah. right? And some of those things may be a little bit harder to identify in terms of how it impacts, uh, you know, any regular community member's life. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think we should not be remiss. I mean, we, we, we you know, I'm hearing a lot of talk as if COVID is kind of gone. Yeah. And it's not no. right. And it's not gone at all. And matter of fact, while I was in my travels, I was hearing about spikes of cases here at home. Sure. Um, And and so, uh, you know, I find it kind of interesting, you know, it, you know, when you travel and, you know, now there's like no mask mandates. And so it's kind of, you know, up to you if you want to mm-hmm. wear one. And yet, you know, we should still be really careful, mm-hmm. uh, because COVID is still a thing. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know if people are just maybe more, um, uh, I don't know, but maybe they well, feel they're, more comfortable. But at the yeah. same time, I think a lot of people are like, well, it's just like a common cold, mm. right? Like it's just, it's a common cold. And even for me, sometimes I've uh, associated it in that way because yeah. I'm like, you know, you could have the sniffles, you do a COVID test, it comes up positive yeah. and you're like, I don't even I'm yeah, not yeah. feeling like, right. oh, God, I'm about yeah. to die. You know, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So this is really interesting because yeah. it would be it means that we need to be a little bit more diligent to understand the nuances yeah. of the changes that were made with right. COVID. And when you talk about the design review board, yeah. Brian, you, you know, my ears perk up yeah. because I do think that. We need to streamline these processes. Mm -hmm. They were in, I mean, we all know government is so heavily bureaucratic and there's so many different departments that don't always speak to each other and they work in these silos and the burden is on the developer, it's on the community, it's on whoever, it's not on them ever really. It's like, it's on everyone else to figure out how this system works, right? And how these different departments speak to each other and Mm -hmm. what permits I need over here and what, uh, you know, approvals I need here and there. So I, I think think anything that we can do to really streamline that, particularly for affordable housing. And I say that because we also understand that for-profit developers who have the money to push things through and get those those permits expedited and all of that, we've seen the effects Mm -hmm. of that. So there definitely needs to be a balance there, but this is something to be on for sure. I'm glad you guys are on it.
0: Yeah. And we're also looking at another topic I wanted to make sure I brought up. This was something that the mayor and council member Sarah Nelson, citywide council member there, announced last week in the U District, and it's a storefront repair fund. So nuts and bolts on this thing. If you have a business, if you're a business owner who's a woman or a person of color, you get priority with this situation here. But if you've had some issues with vandalism, let's say a broken window, something like that, over the course of the pandemic, you can actually apply to the city and get a $2,000 grant to get those costs recovered there. It's a big deal. But we took it a little bit deeper on this one, Trey. And what the mayor said in talking about this was this was part of the city's public safety strategy. And this one, there's some nuance to this one too because they've done a lot of different research. Different academics for decades have done a lot of research on this idea of the broken window theory, right? If there's this broken window in the neighborhood that attracts more crime and murders and violence and things of this nature. And I think that appeals to a lot of people like, yeah, I I see what you're saying there, however, the way the research has played out with this, especially if there's policing attached to it, right? We need more police in those areas with the broken windows. It's led to some policing situations where there's inappropriate, inappropriate use of force. There's discriminatory policing going on. So it's one of these situations where I do want to make sure, and I, bottom line for me, I do want to make sure that merchants who need this help get it. Make sure you apply to the city. October 18th is when these applications open. Make sure you get in on it because when the $2 million that's available is gone, it's gone. But on top of this, I think considering this as part of a public safety strategy is a little bit of a throwback. And I didn't didn't completely buy in on it because I think there's a lot more to it. And and the mayor did say that. He's working on a number of different uh, proposals. But when he tied it into public safety here, I I took a quick pause on that because I think there's a lot more to it than that. And and I don't know what goes through your mind when you think about something like that.
1: Well, clearly I think there's so much more to it than that. (laughs) I also, uh, I think we have to be mindful of setting a precedence Mm -hmm. that opens a door that then we can't close. Right. So like to to say, okay, you know, we're doing this right now. We're repairing storefronts, right. Because of this broken window theory, which I I really appreciate you for bringing my attention to that. But the The idea that okay, we're doing this for businesses, mm-hmm. yet kind of on the back end, then it sets a precedence that say, we'll see, we need this, yeah, or, you know, right? Well, this is why we need more of this policing. Yeah, when you think about policing in general, and we've seen it now. T- there's just countless studies and research mm-hmm. about discriminatory policing. Sure, it's real all over this country, right? The issue is that there's nothing to really get at the root of why discriminatory policing exists. So even if other more you know areas need more policing that to me is uh saying we need more of the same thing. But that's not really the case, right? Yeah. And the ideas around community safety and different ways of thinking about it and a lot of the you know policies that were pushed you know post george floyd Mm -hmm. was really to identify that there are better ways to do it and to ensure our communities are safe Mm -hmm. you know it's no um i I think uh everybody says oh well you you know you 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 sit there and you want to you know condemn the police until you need the police right yeah and i've heard that too time and time again And I understand it because right now in our system, there's no alternative. So if some of my valuables are stolen, what is my alternative? Right. Mm -hmm. I can go through my insurance company, all this. But if I want that assailant found, if I want somebody to, you know, to to be accountable to that crime that yeah. is my only option right now. Yeah. So I think we, you know, this is where it gets really funny for yeah. me, Brian, because we're not exploring other options yeah. and something like this in terms of fixing storefronts sounds great. Yeah. You're right. Businesses need that. Yeah. I mean, how far $2,000 goes in this inflation market? Talk I don't know share. either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah. does that fix one window? Yeah, is hope that, so. I mean, labor, and you oh, know, yeah. and materials right You're now is mind. up through the roof. So yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know how much $2,000 fixed, but maybe this is great for businesses, especially if it's something they don't have to pay back okay it's a yeah. great idea mm-hmm. but it also feels to me like it's really trying to set a foundation for something else and we got to be mindful of that
0: true and it, and it's really just the surface of it don't you think yeah. because I think uh, making sure that we have uh, storefronts and areas that that look nice I mean I think that's an important thing for any city out there and I think the mayor is trying to I- incorporate this into a larger uh, public safety discussion here. I just, I have a difficult time equating broken windows with safety because I, I think there's some research that would indicate otherwise there. So I want to make sure this program is successful. And again, if you're a business out there, you know what's up. You could use some dollars to fix up your business. Make sure you contact the city of Seattle. Those applications are open on the 18th of this month. And again, if you're a woman who owns a business or a person of color who owns a business, you get priority in this situation. So I think it's going to help out a lot of people, which is important to point out too. One
1: last thing. And I You know, I would be remiss. I'd probably like kick myself in the tail if I didn't mention the fact that we also don't address the root of why people are conducting these kinds Mm, of crimes. Sure. And that is really like for me where I go, well, we don't have healthy societies, right? Like we don't, we, we literally, we need people to do crimes so that we actually have a need for police. So there's, there's a whole cycle here and I won't dive into that rabbit hole, but I I also want to mention that as well, Brian, make sure folks know how they can find you tonight.
0: Yeah. Make sure you check out the show right here on Converge Seattle news, views and brews. It's happening at seven o'clock. I'm with my co-host, David Croman. He's talking about a very interesting transportation trend going on in Pierce County. You're going to want to check that out. And make sure you hit me up on Twitter, at Seattle is a great way to get a hold of me. And, Trey, thank you, as always, for having
1: me. Always, Brian. Great conversation. We're, I, I'm telling you, we're going to have to do a special because you start giving up. Maybe I need to come and do guest hosts on the News Bruce, and Bruce. Sign her oh up. Sign gosh. her up. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, thank you so much, Brian. Anytime. Thank oh, you. Always great topics with Brian Callanan. And coming up after the break, we got Jacqueline Williams in the building. She's going to be telling us all about her role as Calpurnia in To Kill a Mockingbird that's airing right now at the Paramount Theater. You guys stay tuned after this short break. You don't want to miss this you're watching the day with trey get ready everyone october 24th and 25th conversion media is heading right back
0: to the paramount theater
1: join me basil gordon eric calligraphy trey holiday and the entire conversion media family as we once again broadcast live with conversations on art culture, mental health, community issues, and more. Trust me, you won't want to miss a single moment. Head over to whereweconverge.com for more information, and we will see you October 24th and 25th, streaming live across all Converge Media platforms.
2: Community, it's been three years since we've been able to celebrate in person at our annual Evening of Choice. And this year at Access and Pioneer Square, on October 19th at 6 p.m., we will be back together again, celebrating our journey, healing towards justice. This past couple of years have been incredibly difficult for our young people and our community at large. And one thing that has become clear and absolutely true is there's one way forward that brings all of us together, and that's as we heal. And when our young people heal, they're truly able to become who it is they've been purposed to be. So on this evening, you'll hear stories of our young people, hear the evolution of our organization as we emphasize healing in our cause, and together we will celebrate another year of impact and growth as we journey towards justice together. Again, it's at Access and Pioneer Square, 6 p.m. on October 19th,
0: and live streaming will be available through YouTube at IChooseWinning.
1: Welcome back to the David Trey, y'all. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. Always such a great discussion with Brian. He and I can go on and on. So y'all might have to stay tuned because I might have to do a little bit more work with Brian. Thanks, Brian. Uh, but joining me right now, I'm so excited to talk to Miss Jacqueline Williams, who's playing Calpurnia in To Kill a Mockingbird that's going across America on Broadway. Hi, Jacqueline.
2: Good morning. Good morning.
1: <laughs> How are you today?
2: I'm doing okay. Doing okay. A few more sips of coffee. I'll
1: be up up (laughs) to speed. (laughs) There we go. Well, I got to say, you know, last night was opening night, correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you were fantastic. Uh, you really were. Now, I, I came to the show uh, last night and I had never, I've never read this novel. So I didn't actually know what the story was. I, um, so I was getting some tidbits, but it's such a provocative story. Just tell us a bit about, you know, this play and how you guys have really brought this story to life, this novel to life.
2: Yes. Well, um, uh, Harper Lee uh, wrote the book first. And then um, there was uh, a very popular film um, uh, starring Gregory Peck, uh, and uh, and actually uh, Mary Badham, who played Scout in the film, uh, Gregory Peck's daughter, uh, is uh, a part of uh, this touring production with us. Um, uh, she is now playing. Um, the, the hateful neighbor uh mrs debose um, but uh yeah uh, to killing Mockingbird, and and we love when um there are uh uh people like yourself who are uh newbies, you know to the story uh people that haven't read the book or um or seen the film and are truly you know experiencing this for the first time, you know that's exciting um to us, uh, uh, because we still need this story, Trey. We still need this message. We still need progress. We still need, um, healing, you know, um, all those things to continue to move forward. Okay. So, uh, uh, for those who don't know the story, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, it, um, it's, uh, essentially uh, a coming of age story uh for uh these kids um learning really about uh the makings of their community and um uh 1934 uh alabama uh so that's time of uh, jim crow and uh and uh and they're learning about uh racism and injustice uh right there in their backyard in their community you know and um uh you know and um <laughs> all of those things have uh definitely uh been heightened you know the last uh 3 years you know yeah. and uh uh you know so it's um you know we're 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 out here uh fighting the good fight uh and um uh hopefully try, um getting through to a lot of people hopefully um offering some healing to a lot of people and provoking thought and conversation for a lot of people you know to take a step back and think about okay hey what have i done in my life you know my actions to try to make things better. Yeah. What, what can I uh, do moving forward to make things better? You know, cause it's really, you know, the root of it is really basic, you know, yeah. all we need to, you know, if, we, if we can just have some common respect and understanding of one another, if we can just start there, you know, we can make a lot of mileage going forward. We really
1: can. Well, I mean, this is this is what I was thinking too. Honestly, it was so much of it for me was understanding. Whoa, this was written in 1960, and it became such a, a, a instant classic, basically, right? It's you yeah. know read in schools all across America, mm-hmm. and in my mind, I thought, okay. How has this been able to impact how people experience the real world? Right. Because we're talking about, um, you know, racism. We're talking about like fighting against that racism and Mm -hmm. wanting to see kind of the humanality, like the the humanistic versions of all of us in, in, you know, everyday people. Um, But there's. So many things that kind of took place throughout uh, the play for me that were like, okay, you know, and I could hear the audience respond to some of the lines in the play that were like you and some of them, many of them coming from your character, honestly, <laughs> to get people to understand, whoa, let me do kind of some self-reflection here in yeah. this moment while I'm enjoying this show. Tell us a bit about how that is for you in terms of, you know, the, the, the many roles that you've played as an actress and how you're able to bring that to, you know, these audiences as you guys are touring this show.
2: Yeah, uh well, um uh my family's from the south from Mississippi. Uh so you know the uh the Southern thing is right there, you know, and um uh you know, having dealt with uh, <laughs> you know, racism all my life, really, and in, in varying degrees, you know. Um uh, uh depending on it, you know, if I was South or if I was north, you know, things were um uh, uh more hidden, more under the surface, uh, you know, in terms of racism, you know, in the north. And and to me, you know, that's often, you know, more dangerous than uh uh you know the racism being you know um up there and out front, you know. And but uh let me backtrack a little bit uh for uh for those who do know uh, the book and the film, the wonderful thing about this live event and what writer Aaron Sorkin um, has done with Miss Hopperly's script uh, and, and fleshing it out. Uh, like for instance, my character, Calpurnia, um, uh, uh, you, you really get uh, a fuller experience of her and her relationship with Atticus uh and a, a better idea of her place uh in this family and uh and basically as almost a surrogate to these these kids since their their mother passed so so young um in their lives um and in fleshing out the role of calpurnia um uh-, c- uh because she and atticus they're more like uh, brother and sister they're they confidants you know they they can have conversations, they can disagree, you know, they, their relationship is, is that close. Um, uh, in fleshing out this role of Calpurnia, uh, she is often, because as, as liberal-minded as Atticus is, he can't possibly know of the community and the world from the Black perspective, you know? And Calpurnia, uh, is that voice, you know, she would, you know, you know, they, they, they're close enough for her to say, yeah, I hear what you're saying, you know, but for us, the black community is like this. And like, you understand what's happening from your point of view, but you don't understand it from our point of view. Here's our point of view, you know, here's what this means to us, you know, and that, um, uh, You know, that's really eye opening um, for Atticus um, and 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 very key uh, to his his journey through dealing with, um, uh, you know, the racism and the injustices as well. Yeah, Uh,
1: yeah. absolutely. I mean, and it is so, um, you know, it's so front and center. Honestly, and yeah. so I really appreciate the adaptation uh, as you're just describing it there. That it's different because you know, and, and so I was like, "Whoa!" Like we, you know, some of these things that that were were being said, I'm like, all of this stuff is still existing to this day, right? Still as you existing. And so, you know, it was really intriguing for me because uh, I was there, uh, you know, sitting alone. We had other converge media correspondents that were also there. Shout out to Jay and Besa, uh, my team. But. I was sitting uh, by myself, and so there was a part of me that was really absorbing it through the people that were sitting around me, which yeah. I found to be like another layer of experiencing this play. And so it was very different for me. And um, I ran into one of the uh, employees for the Paramount, and we were talking in the intermission, and she's like, "How you know? How is this for you?" And I didn't really know how to answer her yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I was like, "I'm st- like, this is a settled." with me and I'm trying to figure out how to allow it to settle with me. And so there's Mm -hmm. there's so much there that packs a punch in terms of what we're experiencing to this very day. And particularly for someone like myself, who is involved in community based work to bring equitable solutions to a system that never had equity built into it. Right. So (laughs) I see it from a very specific lens and I just really appreciated your care. Character to be able to make that distinction known to the audience as you were doing that for Atticus. But one of the things that I also found really interesting was the innocence of children, right? The yeah. idea that, you know, uh, hate is taught. Right. Mm-hmm. And that it's not something you're not born to hate another race or another kind of people or whatever, mm-hmm. a different culture, that it's really taught. And the ideas of how we can begin to really shift so much of the hateful thought that we experience in terms of the nexus of racism is yes. really about how we raise the next generations, which yes. I saw with Scout and Jim and Dill and mm-hmm. just like their, their, Outlook of what was going on In terms of you know a black man Being accused of raping this white Woman and mm. you know uh, it's Clear that he's innocent but of course like All of these you know elements that we've Experienced in real life yeah. Um, yeah. Play out over history It was just mm-hmm. also really beautiful to, to see That innocence of the children uh, as, a, as a theme To this is that something that you all Really uh, understood to as Cast in terms of playing that up for The audience to really be able to take that in
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was well understood, you know, well understood. Um, and, uh, uh, and the three actors, you know, uh, that play the kids, uh, you know, move through the story. I, I feel so beautifully, um, uh, with that innocence and the, the learning and the observations that they have along the way, you know, I mean, they, You know, for the time they have, you know, a pretty phenomenal um, dad, um, you know, who's been instilling in them, you know, uh, uh, the goodness in people and trying to believe in the goodness of people. And, you know, and, um, uh, you know, one of the uh, many famous quotes from the book, the film and the play is, you know, you can never really know a person until you you know uh step inside their you know their skin you know mm-hmm. um again we're getting back to just common um uh uh respect and trying to understand each other you know <laughs> basic stuff you know um but yeah that was that was that was uh uh very well understood i think by by the customer. Well,
1: I want to ask you about, you know, clearly there's so many powerful moments for the audience and I experienced them. Um, but for you, in terms of this role in your pedigree of work, tell us a bit about the impact that this role has on you personally. And as an actress, um, you know, I'm I, a thespian myself. So I understand that there's things that we learn as we take on another character, a new character. Tell us about about that for you and like what you're um, taking away from playing Calpurnia. Uh,
2: I guess mostly, um, uh, like I said, it's, it's important. um, It's important work, you know? Um, And I am, Most of the time, uh, just feeling uh, uh, one grateful, you know, to be uh, a part of uh, the piece, part of the journey of sharing this story because we do still desperately um, uh, need this story and we desperately uh, need more healing and we desperately (laughs) have. A lot of work to still go, and uh, and it's it's sad, you know, to uh because I don't think anyone that isn't, you know um, uh, a teenager, you know, can sit in the theater with this thing and not think about how little progress we've made, you know, so um, it's very fulfilling. Uh, for me to um, be part of this as Calpurnia's voice, uh, and um, hopefully helping us all nationwide, you know, um, you know that's um, you know that's the main thing I I feel after every every show.
1: Yeah, I can I can only imagine Because uh, you said it In terms of, uh, you know, thought Provoking, and when you read the Reviews of this novel, I mean That's really where it's at You know, you have this protagonist In Atticus Finch That is, you know, a, a white Man, right, and mm-hmm. how Do others really see Themselves in how he is Viewing the world, so, I mean Very thought-provoking work uh, Miss Williams, I just so appreciate you taking time and and of course there's so I mean there's so many different things that the audience can expect but one thing I will say is y'all are on the money with it. I mean, every oh. character is playing that character well and as thought-provoking as it is, it's also very entertaining. So just thank you for that. Uh and you guys got to make sure you get to the Paramount, get your tickets now. The seats were packed last night and I promise it was I could hear the response of everyone around me. It was T- taking you know meaningful uh very important to folks for them it to is. be there for them to experience this live so thank you so much for your work uh and and thank you so much for taking time with me today
2: absolutely thank you for having me thank you for being there and thank you for all that you do yes thank
1: you. Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness, you guys, I'm telling you, uh, the show was, it's almost hard to explain, but I love how Miss Williams just gave you a, a touch of what you can experience in this show. You know, very thought provoking. And again, really showcasing where we are today, how much little progress we've made since this novel came out. And for those of you who don't know this story, I really encourage you to go and check out this play right now at the paramount check out stg presents um go to the website get your tickets uh f- take friends with you this is one of those ones where you may want to have dinner afterwards and really break down what everybody is walking away with and i had to cut out uh right at the end because i was actually took the bus last night so i didn't get to do that with jay and Besa. we may have to do that and really have a good conversation about what we took from this play because there was so much stirring in me um, when I walked away from this performance. And I'm telling y'all, you know, it's beyond entertaining. It is really like allowing you to see how what you're being a part of the solution. I'm telling y'all, it was real. Stay tuned right after this short break. I know we're a little bit over, but I'll do a quick recap right after this all right welcome back everybody to the day with trey i'm your host trey holiday and of course there it was right there the information for you to get your tickets to to kill a mocking bird uh make sure you guys check it out i'm telling you uh as i was just talking to dq about it i'm like man dq go man take the fam this is one of those shows where it's just good to kind of see that it still is uh uh, being talked about on a stage like that in the environment of play, and it's going across Broadway. So it's a big show, um, but you know, it's it's uh, for for many of us who are uh, experiencing the other sides of racism. For us, we live it. We understand these concepts, but it's so important to have these opportunities to share them broadly, like, like the message that is coming through when you go and see this show. So, so glad that Jacqueline Williams could join us today. Tell us a bit about how she's experiencing, playing the role of Calpurnia and, and you know how this show uh, creates that level of thought-provoking nature for the audience to really walk away with something. And also big, huge shout out to Brian Callanan for being here. Always a pleasure to be with him on Wednesdays and learn what they're dishing out on Seattle News, Views, and Brews. Make sure you guys check that out tonight at 7 p.m. right here at Converge Media. And I just want to give a huge shout out again to my Converge family for holding it down in my absence. Appreciate all of y'all for you know keeping it up. And Y'all know for me, I mean, I just said it there, but it's so real. You know, how are we all seeing ourselves as a part of the solution? When I walked away last night from To Kill a Mockingbird, I thought to myself, I'm so grateful that I get to work in community and do something that is, you know, creating education and an opportunity for folks to reach out and be a part of the solution, to connect with elected officials on issues that matter to, uh, you know, Black community, to to bring these things to life and to even be here every day with y'all, Monday through Friday, on the day with Trey, to remind you guys of how you can see yourself as a part of the solution. There's a tons of a, tons of ways to do so. But when you are doing so, and when all of us are doing so, we're moving something forward in a way that will take time. We know that because it took time to get to where we are now. But when we're all doing something to see ourselves as a part of the solution, when we're all doing something to educate those who may be oblivious to some of the ways that our society, you know, preys on others. It is so moving and inspiring. And so I really, I'm encouraging y'all to go see the show, but more than that, as I do every day, I'm encouraging you to find your way to see yourself as a part of the solution. Well, You guys know I'll be back right here tomorrow at 11 a.m. And until then.